1: Jesus wanted to be certain that the people received his message. They wanted to be certain that they understood that, hey, in this life there's going to be all kinds of trials. The Most important thing is what is our personal relationship with God our Father. He even brings out a situation. These guys brought out the situation of the Galileans and in his explanation Jesus brings out another situation. Hey, don't forget, he says, those 18 with, that the Tower of Siloam fell on, they killed them all. You think they were worse sinners than any other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? But he gets to the point, he says, I tell you, unless you repent, you're going to be just like them, you're going to perish likewise. Jesus
0: always knew how to get to the point in a conversation. He never felt the need to create long roads to the truth. As we listen into another conversation Jesus had with his disciples, we'll hear him get to the heart of an issue concerning the relevancy of sin. As Pastor David points out, Jesus wanted to make sure the disciples understood the need for repentance in the face of speculation. God desires that all men repent and does not use a measuring stick concerning sin. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Unless You Repent.
1: Sometimes uh, different scriptures or different passages in scripture that are fairly uh, cut and dry, fairly easy, fairly straightforward in what they're saying, sometimes it's a uh, a challenge to us as believers what the Word is saying. Sometimes it's a rebuking to us because of the way that we're living. Sometimes it's just a blessing of what God's Word is speaking. It's an encouragement to what's already happening in our life today. We're going to look at a a passage of Scripture that's going to, I believe, going to have all of those components to it, Uh, It will be challenging in some areas, it will uh, perhaps uh, touch your heart in some different ways, or maybe some things that I say this morning that you uh, adamantly disagree with. And I would encourage you that if you adamantly disagree with something that I say today, and you'll know what I say in a little while, (laughs) uh, come and talk to me, or uh, let's uh, share it together and kind of see, uh, okay, what does the Word of God say about these things? We begin a new chapter in in Luke's uh, Gospel record, we're in chapter 13. I invite you to turn there if you would, and through the uh, wording that's uh, used there, it would appear like this conversation, uh, again, is just a continuation, it's a flow from the same group of people that were with the Lord in chapter 12, and again, as we've spoken many times, you understand that the chapters and verses, they are not the inspired portion of the word, that the chapters and verses are there simply for you and I to be able to say, hey, turn to chapter 13 and we all know where we're going. Okay, So again, if it's the same flow, if it's the same pattern, it's the same group of people that were speaking with Jesus just prior to this, the primary message that Jesus was speaking to those, not only his disciples, but those that were following him, the, the multitudes. And if you remember when we first began chapter 12, it said that the multitude was so many people there that they began to trample one another. So a great crowd of people that were listening to the teachings of Jesus. And those teachings of Jesus, as we looked at in chapter 12, were speaking about us getting our hearts ready, us making sure that we're prepared, because the Master is going to come at any moment, at any time. And our lives, as his followers, need to be prepared for that. But we also, if we're not his followers, we need to understand that with his coming comes judgment. And we need to be prepared for that. And again, through his grace, through his mercy, through his long-suffering... He's allowing that period of time for those who haven't repented to change their hearts, to repent and to come and to follow the master in the way that they know that they should. So, again, here in chapter 13, a little bit different direction, but it's I believe it's the same crowd, it's the same uh, 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 final message that he's giving. Again, about the understanding that there will come judgment. We need to have our hearts ready. We need to be prepared to be able to live strong as believers in this present world. Because this present world, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but it's pretty screwed up in a lot of ways. Yeah, There's a lot of things that are going on, and you and I are right in the midst of that. Well, let's look at what the Word says. Chapter 13 of Luke's gospel record, beginning in verse 1. There were present at that season someone who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Well, do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you all will likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Well, this portion of the crowd that's surrounding Jesus at this point in time, some of them no doubt had been there listened to his message all through this time. Maybe there's some new ones there, but for whatever reason, Some brought to his attention at that point in time this whole idea of this this event that happened where Pilate killed these Galileans. Most likely the event took place in Jerusalem. Most likely it took place on the Temple Mount. We don't know anything else really about this event other than what Luke shares with us right here. He does speak about it being a group of Galileans. They were murdered, and since their blood was mixed with their sacrifices, it's most likely that they were on the Temple Mount at that point in time. And again, the the events that preceded the murder of these Galileans Galileans and what followed after that, we really don't know much about. Flavius Josephus was a historian of the first century. Uh, he wrote much about the battle of the, the Romans and the Jews and the events and the, all of the surrounding circumstances that went on. He tells us about several collisions between Pilate and the Jews, particularly there in Jerusalem. On one Passover, Josephus relates to us that 3,000 Jews were butchered by Pilate and his forces there on the temple courts. Uh, the temple courts were filled with these dead corpses. And as Josephus writes it, not to get too gross or uh, 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 visual on you, says literally the, the blood of the corpses ran down the steps uh, leading up to the temple. He writes about another instance where Pilate did something very similar with his Roman uh, legion that was there that killed 2,000 Jewish uh, worshipers during that time. Well, one other event that took place that Josephus wrote about, was a time when Pilate uh, he desired to uh, apprehend some money out of the temple treasure. Uh, out of the temple treasury. He knew that there was a lot of money in there, and he was trying to build the aqueduct and finish a, a section of the aqueduct. And so he went in to uh, and, and took some money from the Jewish treasury. Well, as you can well imagine, the Jews rose up in protest, and in the midst of the protest that was in the streets of Jerusalem at that time, uh, Pilate sent some of his soldiers dressed in civilian clothes, but underneath these civilian clothes, they had their swords and their spears. And as they mingled among the crowd of protesters at a given signal, the soldiers killed a number of those innocent and those unarmed Jews. And again, that just continued to add to the hatred of the Jews for the governor. Now, whether that was what they were speaking about or a portion of what they were speaking about here, we really don't have any way of knowing. But there's no doubt that not only did Pilate hate the Jews, but the Jews hated Pilate and there was always his continual battle going on. And he used every opportunity he had to be able to demonstrate his power and his authority over the Jews. You see, it was Pilate's responsibility to keep what's called the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. And most Roman leaders understood the way to keep that peace is with the sword. I've got the sword, you don't. You're keeping the peace, otherwise you won't be around for very long. The reason... I believe that this one incident is brought up. Uh, I think, uh, again, since Jesus was from Galilee, maybe those that brought this situation up were testing him putting a uh to kind of see what his reaction would be. If Jesus rose up against Herod and started uh saying things against Herod, then they would have some kind of grounds for uh insurrection and they'd be able to arrest Jesus for coming against Rome. Uh, however, if Jesus didn't say anything about it or kind of brushed it off, then he he wasn't caring enough uh, in regards to that oppression that Rome has brought to the Jews. And again, uh Uh, He wasn't caring enough about the plight of the Jewish people, and so they would have something to bring against Jesus to raise the multitudes against him. It's conceivable that the very thing that's mentioned here was simply a trick trying to get Jesus to say something or to do something, to put him on the spot. But the response that Jesus gave to that statement makes it pretty clear that he understood that there were some background things that they need to understand in the midst of it. Jesus doesn't answer it directly, but he answers it kind of the way Jesus answers things by giving another question. You ask Jesus a question, he usually gives another question to help you think through the process. What does it say there in verse 2? Jesus answered and said to them, do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans simply because they suffered such things? In essence he's saying you guys are saying, do bad things happen only to bad people you' we're sitting in here a mixed crowd of all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of situations. do bad things only happen to bad people? yeah, you probably ought to be shaking your head this way because it happens to all of us. Jesus response is now there's the these Galileans they were no worse than any others. The fact is is all have sinned and Everyone needs to repent. He says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. It's the same understanding that Paul gleaned from the teachings of Jesus. We read it in, in Romans chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, where Paul writes, It's written that there's none righteous, no, not one. There's, there's none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. Years ago, a a Jewish rabbi wrote the book, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? And in essence, he gave all kinds of reasonings and, and going around. But the fact is, is none of us are good. None of us are innocent of all things. But events and tragedy actually does happen to everyone, whatever their standing is. Paul tells us in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. Folks, we live in a fallen world. I don't know if you've noticed that or not as you've looked around. We don't live in paradise anymore, okay? We're not in the Garden of Eden any longer. We live in a fallen world. And when the first man, Adam, sinned, the word tells us that sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men. Death happens to be that cruel, that certain companion in the world and in the era and time that we live in. And don't forget, the fall of man not only brought death, but it brought a lot of additional consequences in our lives. I think any one of us could stand up today and we could attest to the fact that over this last couple of weeks, we could have seen it on internet headlines. We could have heard it on and seen it on television or heard it on radio. We could have read it in the newspaper reports. We live in a fallen world. We heard just this last week about the 6.2 earthquake in uh, Japan. Two days later, a 7.0, and again, lives that were lost, buildings and damages uh, that were taken, uh, taking place during that time. And that's in a country that just a couple of years ago, actually in 2011, had that 9.0 earthquake and the big tsunami that came and caused so much death and so much destruction we have heard about recently about a young mother of two, uh, a young single mother of two that went on the internet on one of those dating uh, sites and found someone that she thought she'd like to date, and she ends up dead and abandoned in a trash can uh, just days after meeting this individual. We've heard about a Texas police officer, a husband, father of six, ambushed after a routine traffic stop, shot four times in the back. We read continually about school-aged children being abducted. They're they're missing, they're presumed dead, or even worse. Read not too long ago about a college co-ed sexually assaulted during her first semester away from home. An act of road rage that leaves a, a new husband paralyzed for the rest of his life. And the reports go on and on and on, and Many times it gets darker and darker. You don't need to listen to the news for very long to realize we live in a fallen world. There's tragedy all around us. Evil moves through this world. Danger, disease, physical harm, death. All of these are that ever-present companion of this journey that's called life. We're all a part of it. A man was visiting his friend in a major city, and he asked his friend, well, what's the death rate in your town? And the friend replied to him, one apiece. (laughs) He goes on to say, people are dying today who have never died before. (laughs) Jesus wanted to be certain that the people received his message. They wanted to be certain that they understood that, hey, in this life there's going to be all kinds of trials. The most important thing is what is our personal relationship with God our Father. He even brings out a situation. These guys brought out the situation of the Galileans, and in his explanation, Jesus brings out another situation. Hey, don't forget, he says, those 18 that the Tower of Siloam fell on, they killed them all. You think they were worse sinners than any other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? But he gets to the point. He says, I tell you, unless you repent, you're going to be just like them. You're going to perish likewise. Beloved, repentance is necessary for all. I don't care how good you might think that you might be. I don't care how good your dear Aunt Susie might be. All men need to come to repentance. It's not that Jesus had a non-caring attitude. Jesus simply wanted to get back to the heart of the whole matter. This wasn't about the wickedness of the Roman occupation. It wasn't about rather those individuals that Pilate killed deserved it or not it wasn't about the situation where the tower fell and killed a bunch of innocent bystanders what the situation is is the need for all men everywhere to repent there's a coming judgment a a, a judgment for israel came forth very quickly in, in 70 a.d man jesus is telling them listen you need to repent God's going to bring judgment on you. And 40 years after he was resurrected and ascended into heaven, all of Israel fell. But you know what? There's a judgment for all mankind. And that's going to come in every one of our lives. There's only one way out of here until the rapture comes. When death comes and none of us know what day, what time that's going to be, or what event's going to precede it, every one of us are going to be in judgment. We might say, Well, I'm young. And and I've got many, many years before me. Well, beloved, you need to understand there's not a day that's guaranteed to any of us. And at that moment that our heart stops, our brain stops, we stand before Almighty God. Yes, I do believe that there's going to be that coming time of the great judgment, and we're all going to have to stand. Where is the position of your heart? Have you come to that point of repentance in your own life? That's what Jesus is trying to focus them on. Fact is, this world is full of tragedy. It could overwhelm you if, if you allowed it, to, but you need to get your focus on something far greater than the temporary events of the circumstances that surround you. The very song that we sing, the understanding, he will never let go of our hand, even in the midst of that trial, even in the midst of that darkness. The psalmist declared in Psalm 23, man, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, some people might say, well, that's a negative confession. Don't say that you're walking through a a shadow of death. Beloved, that's reality and that's truth. Even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not gonna fear any evil. Why? Because I know that you're with me. Because I know that you're with me, even in the worst of situations in my life, even in the most terrible, horrendous tragedy that might come in my life. Lord, I know that you're still there and that you are still God, and I hold on to that. We speak the phrase, God is good, all the time, and all the time. What part about that do we sometimes not understand? The all the time part, the all the time part. As we look to the eternal, we need to be certain there's nothing that hinders the blessings of God and the fellowship of God in our lives. Because, beloved, in the midst of the tragedy that every one of us go through at different times and some greater and longer seasons than others, in the midst of that, you need something much stronger than the temporary things of this world. You need something much stronger in your life than your own ability to be able to stand to these things. You need to look to that One who is eternal. And again, knowing and understanding that your relationship with Him is right. Yes, let's, let's take a look at this idea of the suffering of the innocent real quick. And again, we know that none are innocent. But it's all too often, it's way too easy for us to to play God and a lot of times we, we declare those things It's not fair, okay? It's a word that often comes. It's not fair what happened to them. Or maybe we flip on the other side and say, well, no wonder that happened to you. You see, we we become like Job's friends and we begin trying to figure out what's going on and we try to find answers. And beloved, sometimes there's situations that we try to put ourselves in that's way above our pay grade uh, these are the things of God. These are the mysteries of God that we just surrender our lives to Him and say, Lord, I don't understand these things, but I know that you're good God and you're good all the time. We think through these things and we say, wow, He's suffering greatly. He must be a really great sinner. Or on the other side, we say, wow, she got a pay raise. God must really be really blessed with her. But you understand, though, sometimes that financial stability and financial increase can be more of a curse than a blessing, right? That was weak, okay? (laughs) I think there's a lot of us that say, uh, like Tevi from uh, Fiddler on the Roof, uh, Lord, if if finances or if money is is a curse, would you mind cursing me just a little bit? But the fact is that sometimes financial blessings can get us off track of, of trusting God. Have you heard about all the suffering she's going through? God must really need to get her attention. You know, these are things that people say when they hear of events going on. How about the fact that maybe God has her attention and it's just a way of peeling away all these other things. They must be living right. Everything seems to work out good for them. But that's temporary. That's 70, 80, 90 Maybe a hundred years here, eternity waits before them. So what if they have physical blessings here? Where do they stand for eternity? And if they're going through sufferings here, it's not the physical sufferings that are so important. The most important thing is what is their relationship with Christ? We need to stop for a moment. We need to remember. Remember God's testimony about Job. You guys know the story of Job It was God himself that declared, hey, there's none like Job, none like him on the earth. Man, he is a blameless and an upright dude. Okay, he said man, but he's blameless and he's upright, one who fears God and shuns evil. So most of the theology that most of Christianity holds today, if he's upright, if he's righteous, if he's blameless, if he fears God and he shuns evil, then everything ought to go smooth for him, right? Everything ought to be wonderful. That's not what happened, is it? You know the story of Job. You know all the events that came into his life. But it's not just about Job. Think about the early life of Joseph. You know, Joseph, here's this guy, man. He's he's beaten up by his brothers. He's left for dead, and then he's sold into slavery. He's falsely accused of rape, and then he's thrown into a prison cell. Dude, you are like, man, God must really be mad at you.
0: We can all remember the marketing campaign WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? While this became somewhat cliche, the concept behind it is crucial. In each and every circumstance, we need to consider not only what Jesus would do, but what he did do when he was here on Earth. As Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke, we'll see exactly what Jesus did. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need.
1: Life these days moves fast from one appointment to the next. Most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to theopenword.com and click on the teachings page.
0: Thanks, Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to theopenword.com and select the teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you. Make us